And welcome back to another Impact tonight. Other Impact Education Leadership is episode 117. I'm your host, ID3 for Isaiah Dr. William Daniels and Dr. Maricela Jimenez. Dr. MJ, please say hello to the people. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, I, I look forward to this conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. And Dr. William Daniels, please say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. William Daniels out of Chicago. I am honored to be among the greatness of the both of you guys, and I look forward to having a fruitful conversation. We are also grateful as well. Well, tonight's topic is a crucial one. It's a much, much uh, needed conversation, and that is being charitable toward others during COVID-19. COVID-19 is creating new needs while putting enormous financial pressure on all nonprofits from medical and public health needs related to the response to economic uncertainty impacting vulnerable populations. The COVID-19 pandemic is creating unmet needs above and beyond the usual. Many nonprofits also have to counsel many of their usual programs and fundraising activities and events out of the concern for public safety. This and many others are leading and motivating uh, employees to uh, perform ultimately amidst a global pandemic is only possible with compassion, empathy, and community. People benefit most from physical and practical and predictable routines. However, with this new normal, it's going to require a different structure, a different strategy, a different approach, a different technique as it relates to social development, as it relates to physical development, as it relates to cooperative play. So we're going to need those new strategies and we're going to need people to step up to the plate like the ones we have here tonight to help us talk about inner connectivity and how we need interconnectivity now more than ever. In scenarios like this, the phrase that comes to mind mostly is interdisciplinary instruction. This strategy is gonna to have to come into play, I believe. This interdisciplinary instruction is gonna to have to be integrated through different careers, through different educational structures, those multiple subject areas are gonna to have to be synthesized, they're gonna to have to be combined, they're gonna to have to be put together by integrating subjects with educators and paraprofessionals and community leaders to help bring a community to resources that are more broader so that understanding can be balanced across the board if that's possible through activities that will help not only our children, but their parents as well, develop awareness to these new skill sets, this knowledge to help us utilize this new normal. With that being said, you know, uh, I want to pull first from Dr. William Daniels. Dr. William Daniels, 
you know, please tell us now a little bit about yourself and what you're doing currently out there in Chicago, the Windy City. Well, um, again, I just want to thank you for uh, having me on your podcast. Um, you know, this is you, you made some really good points in your opening speech. This is a really interesting time to be in education um, because we know that where we are on this pandemic curve, you know, our students need a lot of support. And the question is, how do we build that support to, for students to get them, those who are behind or have stagnated, how do we get them caught up? How do we get them back on track? And, you know, how do we integrate technology and SEL and all these wonderful things that we've been really working on pre-pandemic to get, you know, students, um, you know, re-engaged and performing at levels that, you know, is going to build up you know, students, especially those that are in the inner city, for example, <clears throat> and, um, you know, ultimately build up this country because we know that in order for us to be a better country, we have to have all of our, uh, you know, all of our young people have to have opportunities um, so that, um, you know, this is spread across the country. At least that's, you know, the idea in, in, in the educational system that I'm in. So, um, you know, what we're doing is we're trying to integrate all of those areas together. We're trying to utilize technology. A lot of our um, instruction is delivered through technology. And so it's, it's, it's very fundamental. We were really blessed in the, in, in the district to um, get to the point where we were at or near, you know, one-to-one -one in terms of technology. And I think now that we're we're here or nearly there that um, you know you're going to see a lot more uh supplemental instruction and i'll, I'll clarify that in a while um being done um throughout you know the city and throughout the country so i'm gonna stop right there but um you know that's what we're doing here in chicago is we are trying to move forward you know, um, helping students to understand, I'm sorry, understanding where students are <clears throat> and then helping them to get where they need to be. Oh, this is gonna be good. I, you know, you have those, you know, if you go to a sports game, you can tell, especially with the lineup, like this is gonna be an all-star cast and this not only is gonna be a great event, but it's gonna be epic, it's gonna be legendary. I mean, Dr. Daniels, you are helping to make this happen tonight with this mighty uh, educational conversation that has a high touch uh, as it relates to education. You know, as you were speaking, you know, I heard a few things. Most, the for the most most part, I really heard uh, from your your uh, undertone. I kept hearing Bloom uh, Bloom's taxonomy, right? When you have those deductive and social development. Um, concepts and layers right for that, that cognitive development like peter j would uh, so nicely put it and, and this is going to be necessary for people you know like you that are those um those those, those gatekeepers all right here we go well it's so great to be here and thank you so much for this opportunity for us to all get acquainted and for us to share the mission of harvey nexus 
I absolutely love this question and I can talk about this for a very long time, days on end, right? Uh, because it is the core of who we are and what we do. So a little bit about Harvey Nexus. You know, I always like to get into the history of things, right? And uh, to set the context and the premise of where we're going. So Harvey Nexus got started in June of 2020, smack in the beginning of the pandemic where we all know that uncertainty was the order of the day and unemployment was first to mind for a lot of us. If not for ourselves, then certainly for our friends and family. This is absolutely no news to any one of us. On a personal side, I was one of those who got laid off and was faced with those new challenges of survival. And after connecting with my friends and family about my situation, I then found that they too were going through a similar situation and shared the same story where they had to close their businesses. Some of them even lost their jobs and even losing two jobs in one day. And with that, I got to thinking, you know, being the entrepreneur that I am, I studied this at the master's level. I took this as an opportunity to help not only my current situation, but the community, because I know what it feels like. So that's when Harvey Nexus got started to really help those displaced workers to gain, retain and sustain gainful employment with a livable and sustainable wage throughout the life of their careers and really providing a path to careers for those displaced workers and adults who may or may not have a college degree. So our programs are designed to be flexible and to really focus on what the employer's needs are and also what the needs are of our participants are. So we have a three-pronged approach that I'm really excited about is that um, first we provide access to in-demand careers. Uh, careers that we know that are high paying that provide a livable wage and we partner with or major with our major employers within the city and nationally and use labor market data to really understand what those specific components are that requires those skills and the roles and we focus on those high demand fields with um, meaningful upward mobility such as information technology advanced manufacturing and even healthcare. and the second is uh, supported learning we teach the skills employers need through blended learning programs, apprenticeships, whatever is it that it takes for us to work with that employer and our participant to make sure that uh, both sides are benefiting from that relationship and to really combine online learning uh, in a live setting and you can learn at your own pace and even learn while you're working. And the third prong to our approach is that we have a diverse pool of talented candidates. Um, you name it, we can find it or we already have it. Uh, to really find those individuals who um, demonstrate the potential to be successful in that role, who have the drive to succeed and know that this is where they need to be. And you know they found their home and really having a flexible pathway to quickly advance with in their careers. So bringing things back into perspective here, I know I may have uh, went off a little bit, but bringing things back into perspective. So while the pandemic had really created certain challenges to businesses globally, we are interested in the solution and helping companies adapt and transition to the way of the future, which that's pretty exciting for a lot of us. So in addition to helping our job and career seekers, we also identified that the events of 2020 presented opportunities for us to reconnect on fresh terms with our families, our friends, our coworkers, and even with ourselves, most importantly. And for businesses, that moment provides a chance to reimagine their roles in the economy and the role that they will play in the growth of economic development. So right now, we know that there's a need for upskilling and training and addressing the digital and skill divide, some of which, yes, existed before 2020 and have accelerated since then. And that's where we come in to really provide resources and opportunities to job and career seekers to gain, retain and sustain a livable wage throughout the life of their careers and also for businesses to grow and expand 
bridging the gap between businesses and job and career seekers and also between academia and the workforce, transforming the lives of people in the community who need a voice and helping our community to get upskill, find employment and find new careers through innovative skill enhancement programs that will benefit all our communities. And we have a mission to really equip the world in, or I guess our workforce in careers of the future and really providing options for everyone to be included, to um, to engage in their highly skilled professionals, that in tech. Uh, one example that I love to share is, uh, for example, data science, cloud computing, artificial intelligence, and really raising their careers to the next level. So um, I should say that, you know, partnering with Harvey Nexus is really crucial during COVID-19 pandemic because we offer the solution to a global crisis that uh, affects all of us in some way, shape or form, directly or indirectly. Having a job is not just a paycheck or having something to do in the days, right? Having a livable wage is an investment, an investment towards a strong local economy and a healthy community contributing to the development of a dedicated skill and a healthy workforce. And for employers out there, you know, paying a livable wage can lead to improved productivity, increased employment loyalty, and uh, it, it, it does decrease the cost when it comes to having um, absent staff, you know, having to train someone, having to recruit someone, and even retaining that, that, that employee at that point. For the employers and those for all our participants, Earning a livable wage really provides an income to um, cover modest living expenses to start, right? And having to reduce financial stress, it can. This can also lead to um, improve health, improve moral at work, and also increase support to um, healthy child growth and development, reducing all those barriers to social inclusion and an overall improvement in the quality of life of our workers and for our families and for our community. We all know that once we come together and we're all in a happier, better place, we live a happier, better life, right? So um, to wrap things up, um, I'll share this with you. That partnering with Harvey Nexus is crucial and we all have the power to help in some way, shape or form. First, um, I will encourage all of our, all of our listeners uh, to volunteer with us, volunteer your time, your resources or even your professional network and share our mission and share our, 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 the impact that we're having and our, what we plan to do within the community. Share it with a friend, share it with a coworker, a neighbor. And second is to consider us in your giving and collaborate with us this giving Tuesday, November 30th. Uh, I would say visit our website for more details on that, harveynexus.org, um, to get involved. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we, the topic tonight is being charitable toward others during COVID-19, right, uh, for education and for universal education. A lot of people ask the question, how do you, you know, measure education with technology in the mix, right? And, and we are saying that you do it through uh, standardized testing, but is there really universal education, right? That's not the subject for tonight, but you know, how do you become universal when everyone's not taking the same tests, you know, globally across the board, right? And I kind of heard you prelude to that uh, technological mix uh, in, in your speaking. And so this is, you know, on the lines of instruction, the question I'm gonna ask you, these are on the lines of inductive reasoning, uh, parallel play, uh, that's necessary for 
you know, our, our the secondary education system because, you know, that level, that stage of learning is, I believe, the, the concrete operational stage. And so, you know, this is why we had to get you on the podcast tonight, uh, being a school principal, especially in um, the uh, location that you are in Chicago. This is a, uh, a cutting edge uh, as it relates to technology area to be in in uh, the United States of America. And so, you know, your journey through more than 20 years in, in information technology as a software engineer and certified project manager in the telecommunications industry before starting your educational career has been life-changing. Most people would have left off right there and said, hey, I've lived a good life because, I mean, the IT field is so vast and so ever-changing. And, you know, it's like, why would you hop off of that roller coaster unless your passion for kids and, and teaching, uh, your heart for that, it had to pull you in a different trajectory. And so, you know, however now, let's just go to the point. You're a school principal. And so my question for you, we want to know, we want to hear your thoughts. We want to, we want to walk with you. Okay. We promise we will listen. How can teachers efficiently infuse, I say, what I mean by infuse, mix other subjects into daily lessons using technology that students can understand and that parents can monitor and understand what they're looking at will be the first question to start this conversation off tonight. Wow. Okay. That was, that was pretty deep. So <laughs> let me see if I can use, let me see if I can use that, that 20 years of background here to, to help me out. So you're right. I mean, I do have a passion for this and, you know, I'm one of those people that took a look at what he was doing and said, you know, I need to help people around me, you know, be better and achieve the, the, the things that they can achieve. Um, and so I believe that's done through education. And I like the idea of integrating education and technology. Um, you know, when I started teaching 11 years ago, that was something that I attempted to do, um, you know, even with the resources that I had at the time. And now we've grown exponentially to the point where, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we pretty much have one-to-one -one technology in the district, and it's a beautiful thing, um, you know, because what teachers can do now is they can deliver instruction and, you know, do small group work with, you know, uh, either heterogeneous or homogeneous groups and have students doing independent work that's being evaluated via technology, and that allows them to then give that one-to-one -one instruction in a smaller setting, which is very helpful. And then at the same time, allow students who either need, um, you know, re-engagement work or uh, work to allow them to explore on to, you know, things that are at higher levels um, than, than other students in the class. And, and you're able to do that. And that's one of the beauties of technology. Um, but I will say this, um, you know, technology is not a replacement for the classroom teacher. It absolutely isn't. Um, it's wonderful that we have this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to. I wouldn't be able to go through the plethora of platforms that are out there, but, you know, we think about some of the really popular ones like Khan Academy, which is something that I used heavily when I was, you know, a teacher. And I even recorded some of my own videos and, and you know, did some blended classroom work 
But, you know, being able to provide that as a resource for a student who can explore on his or her own is really the basis. And having the frame of mind as a teacher that, you know, you can use the technology to get creative um, and not just look at it as something to keep a child busy, you know, that's a step in the right direction. And, you know, it's not a perfect science. It, it, it really isn't. And that's that's something to also keep in mind because I don't think very few of us in education can say, honestly, I've figured it out. But, you know, being having an open mind, being able to reflect on what it is that you do and really using the technology in conjunction with, you know, social and emotional supports for students and, you know, provide an appropriate level of formative assessments that allow you to think about ways that you can improve your assessment, your instruction rather, to make you a better person is, is what I really think is a good mix of the formula for, for classroom instruction today. And like I said, the blessing is that technology will allow you to do more um, than you used to be able to as a classroom educator. And I think that's something that, you know, we push really hard for. Um, you know, I, I can't say I'm a perfect perfectionist. I can't say that I'm perfect at it, but we try to get there every day. So. Wow. Wow. You know what? That's a lot to unpack. I'm not going to even try to do it. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. Dr. Daniels, will you come back to the podcast at another time? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. It's on, it's on, it's on. You know, Dr. James, <laughs> um, this man, I, I did, I've done uh, a lot of research on him and I've been, uh, you know, just checking him out uh, in, in both, in both of those worlds, in the IT world and in uh, the world of academia. And this man is on a mission. He is a trailblazer. Uh, he is, I, I will call him one of those figures that will go down in history as, as a legacy. He's a legacy maker. And, and you know, these world changes are what we're gonna need. These pillars are what we're gonna need, listening audience, moving forward out of this pandemic while this pandemic is going on and it's that same hunger that i i get from my she's my sister um we've worked in the field together we've put together programs we've seen how they have affected uh not only dfw dollars for worth but also uh in some parts of houston texas and that's none other than my, my friend and my sister, Dr. MJ, please say hello again to the people. And before you do, Dr. Daniels, I want to thank you so much for adding so much value to this podcast. Dr. MJ, please say hello to the people. Let us know what you're doing, Carolyn. Hi, uh, again, thank you, Isaiah, for having me in your podcast. And uh, amazing to Dr. Uh, Daniels. And so now I'm in Houston. Yes, I live in, in DFW. Um, for a number of years, but for the past few years, including during uh, 2020, which was quite difficult for everyone. Um, everywhere I go, I plant those seeds, and my call to action is really to understand the uh, communities where I live and immerse myself and quickly identify how can I best serve people. And so what I'm doing right now, just in, in addition to um, what 
Dr. Daniel is, is doing for his community and his district. I'm the person that actually uh, joins organizations and I become the bridge. I, I realize that there is a need between the communities and someone has to come in and uh, be the bridge between those communities. So uh, things that I was doing at DSW and now what I'm doing here, it's uh, gone to another level where I am directly working with employers and connecting them with job seekers. But it's very strategic and it's very, um, it's done in a way that there's alignment. So the employer who says, I cannot find um, workforce, uh, I'm making sure that I find that, you know, that the right workforce for, for those employers. And so, um, yes, that's what I'm doing right now. In addition, of course, to investing time with the students, uh, if I may. In fact, today, this morning, I spent uh, from 8 o'clock to 11.30 interviewing, doing mock interviews for the students that are getting ready for their final semester with in high school. And so I interview them, different different. Uh, they're they're on a CTE program and so asking them that question where are you going to go right after high school but um, yeah to go back to the technology question and and how how can technology advance a student's career and future um, there's a lot more to that and so what employers are looking for is not just credentials they're looking for experience they're looking for skills attitude uh, they're looking for personality. They're looking for cultural competence, emotional intelligence, a lot more. They want the perfect unicorn. So I'm the person who is um, helping to making sure that way before they graduate from high school uh, and are into you know a pursuing a career that I go and help them. So they they are ready for employment that is going to be gainful, meaningful, and uh, they will be compensated for the for what they they bring to the table. When talking about Dr. MJ, one phrase comes to mind. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Dr. MJ. You, you, know, you know I'm crazy, right? But that phrase is atmosphere changer. <laughs> and what do I Thank and you. what do I mean by that? Oh absolutely. And you know what I'm saying. But what do I mean by that? Everything you touch, you bless. Every person you meet. You give them hope. Every group you put together, you give them faith. Faith not only in themselves, but in the team. You are a team player. You are a team player. People love being on your team, for your team, cheering your team on the sideline. You are intoxicating. And with that being... Absolutely, absolutely. But with that being said, with that being said, you and your husband both are intoxicated because I know, I know he's like, what about me? Um, <laughs> but with that being, <laughs> but with that being said, Doctor MJ, I want you to give us, and you're gonna do it anyway. But I want you to give us your heart and let us know. Uh, I'm about to go in. You ready? We want to know your why. We want to know your why. We want to know. Why do you continue to excel with everything that you do? Why are you so compassionate about being charitable toward others, especially during 
COVID-19, where people are socially distancing from themselves. We want to know your why. What is your why? You know, it's it's a simple call to action. I um, am so grateful to be in this country. And uh, I remember coming to this country and becoming a U.S. citizen um, already as a Christian. But when when I heard this uh, quote from President uh, J.F. Kennedy that said, uh, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And... I, I can tell that if I had remained in Mexico, my life would have been extremely opposite to what I have. And so I've reached the highest level of education and it is my responsibility to go back and, and if, if it's just one person at a time and help them. And I, it upsets me. It bothers me when I see injustice. And some people may say that's none of your business. What, you know, move on. And, and so if I see something and I know it's not just, I will roll up my sleep my sleeves and I will go and do something about it. I just cannot have my heart settle and turn around and pretend I didn't see it, I didn't hear it. And so they don't have to be my, my blood uh, family. They are my spiritual family just because they are part of this world. And I'm in this world and I just have those convictions and I want to do something about it. So my why is that I have a greater uh, responsibility when it comes to what God has uh, given me multiple talents. And it is written in the Bible that, you know, you have been given much and much is going to be expected of you. So I take that very seriously. Mm, that's good. Okay, Dr. Daniels, what is your why? What is your why? Wow, that's you know what that's a, such a deep question, and I really appreciate the the, the other response. Um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I just I, I'll go back to my my childhood. I mean, I was really blessed to have three black males as principals, and I never really thought very much about it until you know I got into education. I was like, wow, you know, that's not the that's not the norm. Um, I'm sure that it had a lot to do with me, you know, being intrinsically motivated and how I, you know, pursued the, the, the engineering degrees that I got initially. And, and along my journey of, of becoming, you know, the, the engineer I was and, and eventually in the project management, I just began to think, you know, if I can do this the way that I did it, what stops any other black or brown child from doing this and you know when you look at the data and you look at all of the negative press about what happens in the, the black community and the brown communities i just said to myself you know there needs to t maybe we need somebody to come in with some fresh ideas or with a different perspective that can you know serve as you know a, a, a motivator and understand you know good instructional practices so that you know we can build schools that can actually lead to some some successful student outcomes and that just really pushed me into education and into you know where I am and and if I can just say this you know when I got my 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 masters in teaching I thought I was done I thought you know I'm just going to teach you know math and I'll be just fine and then along comes 
you know, one of my assistant principals at the time. And she motivated me, uh, along with my principal, to, to consider going into administration. And, you know, that led to some other things. And before I knew it, I was going back to school again to get a doctorate degree. And I did not think I was going to do all of this. I really thought I was going to be a teacher for the rest of my life. But, you know, as I thought about what that path needed to be and how I could impact education, I thought, you know, on, on an administrative level, I'd be far more impactful than I would be at, uh, you know, the educator level. But, but I did enjoy teaching. I really did. My point is that for me, that why is, you know, how can I make people around me um, better? Um, you know, that's, that's what motivates me. And that's why I do what I do is because that's what I want to do. I want to answer that question. How can I make people better so that, you know, children can achieve, you know, their goals? You know, I see babies every day that tell me, I want to be a veterinarian. I want to be this. I want to be that. But, you know, that's all well and good to say that. But how are we showing them how to achieve those goals? You know, we can't just educate them. We actually got to give them an opportunity to see what steps they need to take what what do they need to do to prepare themselves so when i see my babies in the hallway you know i'm like asking them okay so what are you doing to be a better scientist what are you doing to be that policeman that you just said you wanted to be what are you doing to be you know that athlete you said you wanted to be so that, that's my why my why is to make people better my why is i want to be able to deliver the leadership that helps people be better so they can achieve their goals. Listen, tonight, I told you tonight was going to be epic. Tonight is going to be epic. Oh my goodness! Let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, let me let me pull back. Uh, let me pull. Let me pull this thing back a little bit. <laughs> but let me say, Doctor James, thank you again, Doctor MJ, thank you as well. Let me let me go back to Doctor MJ. Let me go back to you because for me, you're also a a community advocate. I think that's a good word to define you. And what I just heard Dr. Daniels say for me gave me, for me was emotional development. Right? When you see those students in the hallway and you reinforce, you know, the things that it takes to have that support system. And you tell them how to go hunt for it by assessing them. You know, and, and being an overseer of not just the teachers, but also the the school and the inhabitants of those, you know, of those um, of, of that of that school culture, the school vision, the school environment, and, and this is that response to the intervention, I believe, right? And so that brings me to Dr. MJ. I think this is a good setup because. Dr. MJ takes a situation and she formulates it. And then while she's formulating it, she's analyzing it so she can get an understanding. And then she goes and describes it, you know, to the people that she's working with. And so they know what to recognize, what to look for. And they have that certain awareness on how to identify with uh, a movement an event, a function, whatever layer she's taking it. And with that being said, Dr. MJ, my question for you is how are you and your team continuing, if you don't mind sharing it with us, that is, to excel with every client and joint venture 
especially during COVID-19, with all these different organizations that you're working with and the organizational change. I know you got some new organizations you're working, you started working with this year, you've been talking about, and how, and how are you helping them to grow? I know you're excited about this. How are you helping them to grow in the wake <laughs> of this pandemic? What's your thoughts? I, I, I was laughing as you were describing me, and it's, you are so right, and you're so accurate on my um, you know, attitudes on approaching situations, but one of the things that, you know, I'm a force for change and I, I don't impose change when people are not ready. I think people have to be ready and and I believe that um, I will be brought to the organization when the people are ready uh, to receive. If they're not ready to receive, then it's not my, my season. And yes, I was brought to work. Uh, I, this organization is a nonprofit company called WorkSafe, okay? Uh, and so work faith is, is one word and it's, uh, you, you basically bring faith into your workplace and how faith uh, transforms everything that you do. Um, and it's a Christian organization and, and it's here in Houston. And so my, my responsibility is exactly to do that. I was brought to, to take on a very strategic uh, position. And my position didn't exist. It was just uh, designed so to take the organization to another level because of COVID. And, and that the organization is being trans- redesigned and, and transformed, uh, going through a metamorphosis of transformation because uh, we originally, the, the, the organization was established to serve individuals who need a second chance. They were released from... from uh, jail, prison, some of them have been there for 25 years or, you know, 10 years or three years, but nevertheless, they need a second chance. And so because of COVID, now we are serving anyone who needs employment opportunities. So people who are who were displaced from employment um, and are having a very hard time finding employment, whether they're college educated or just a GED. Uh, and so the uh, the mission of the organization is that we will provide workspace training and coaching for anyone who desires long-term employment. And so what I do, one, um, was to identify what worked well before and what isn't working today and where are we going to go for the next five years. And uh, I did a very comprehensive business analysis with the entire team, and we had our uh, presentation for a couple of days with the executive leadership team, and we explained our findings. And and so what that basically has um, led us to do is to re- restructure and redesign things, and the, the team coming together. Um, it's just beautiful because everyone understands that we have a social uh, mission-driven purpose, and so our our charge is to really making sure that we go out into the communities who are underrepresented, who need a second chance, and the people that, um, because of where they come from, continue to be discriminated. And so my my uh, part of that is to go in and meet employers who are going to offer employment benefits, uh, livable wages, and sustainability, you know, for long-term career and present our, our uh, clients who are in need of employment with those organizations. So that's one strategic approach. Um, because of COVID, of course, the organization has gone into a hybrid model where before everything was face-to-face service. 
now is virtual and we are evolving uh, to making sure that throughout this organizational change, we identify our communities, structural barriers. You know, what are those structural barriers, including technology, um, competencies, accessibility, and social skills, and, and so that, that we can prepare them from A to C in order to equip them and present them to employers. And so my, my charge is also negotiating with employers who pre-COVID, they would not open their doors to anyone who has any um, criminal background, right? And so we, through, the, through, through scripture, we uh, encourage anyone who comes and feels ashamed for the past and we uh, just encourage them in so many ways that they are redeemed by the end of the, the sessions that they go through, uh, Monday through Friday for a 20-hour period. We help them feel transformed. And everything is because the, the, the trainings are infused with scripture. And so it's, it's a combination of the practicalities of, of academia that I bring to the table, but also what scripture tells us to do for those who are... Um, who don't have representation. See, and that's what we're talking about. You know what? We, we, wow. And that's a wrap. Tonight was another impact. 